First time on a jet, Emma? First time, baby. Eddie take me on this jet. We going to Newcastle. They said it ain't no, ain't no place like Newcastle. Ain't no fight show like Newcastle. It's going to be crazy. Let me check it, bro. Yeah? Yeah, I'm ready, man. I, I'm excited. I got to get my seat. Here we go. What do you do for your fighters, Edward? You going in? What? Look what you do for your fighters. Oh, it's your plane, isn't it? What do you reckon? Man, I'm feeling, I'm, I feel great. I'm happy to be here. I've never been on a plane this small or jet. I've never been on a jet this small. So. Coach, you, you go on a jet every every week. Yes, yeah, right. That's how we roll. This is Coach's jet. Yeah, yeah. We borrowed it. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm really ready for this show. I'm ready for the show. I got a whole different. You don't know what to expect up here. No, I haven't. They're absolutely nuts. Well, he's got two weeks. He's got next week's going to be like 15,000. Tonight, 9,000. But this is lively, isn't it? Tonight's going to be great. This is going to be good. And I'm excited. I'm about to put on the show. October 26th, I'm putting on the show. You're going to see how he's doing. And I'm going to put on another one. And then another one. And then another one. He wants to get on the Saudi card. I oh, know. He wants to get on every card. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, everyone liked to fight, you know, that's what I liked to do. I loved to he was moaning yesterday because at one time he had three months without a fight. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Three months, I was going crazy, man. I was having fight withdrawals, you know? All right. How you doing, sir? We'll pick this back up in the air. Coogan Cassius, IFL TV, MTK Global. Might be a bit loud in here, but... Yeah, it probably is loud. We're trying. Um, Brought your fighter today to Newcastle, yeah, Emma Williams. I wanted him to experience the atmosphere, you know, because I think the American fighters don't really get to see the crazy atmosphere outside of the mega events in America. So, I mean, he saw it with Joshua Ruiz. That was a crazy atmosphere. So now he gets to see the raucous atmosphere of Newcastle because it is special. So, you know, he's a. Uh, Ammo's fighting next week at the O2. And part of the experience of travelling and learning about the game is this kind of experience, going up, meeting fans, watching fights, experiencing different atmospheres, so that it's all absorbed in the mind for when you get to that level. One day you might be fighting for a world title in Newcastle. Who knows? He would have already been there. Yeah. Right. So this whole experience for him, fighting at the O2, sparring Callum Smith, you know, coming up here, it's all part of the journey to try and give yourself every chance to be the best you can be. You turned professional in April? Yep. Um, in Inglewood, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, April 26th. Yeah, three fights, you've been in Inglewood, New York and uh, Dallas. Yes. And now the O2 next week, so yep. things are going well at the moment. 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's extremely Am exciting. Am I living? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an exciting time for me, man. Uh, um, you know, going, getting signed, that's one. That's just one part, you know, because I see a lot of people who really don't, you know, get these great experiences right out the gate. And I get to see a lot of this, and I can tell that match room, Eddie Hearn, the zone, everybody is grooming me as a real champion, you know. And uh, even going to the O2 now, I feel a lot more prepared to do things like that because I fought at a place like Madison Square Garden two fights before Anthony Joshua where the crowd was livid and everybody was, you know, there, present, rather than everybody just coming in or everybody's just coming out. By the way, ammo floated that night, right? <laughs> so it's like, he didn't know when he was going to fight all of a sudden. They're like, ammo, you're on. He's run out. He's probably looked at the arena and gone, shit. He's come out, he got hit by a huge right hand in like the first 20 seconds, got cut, and then stopped the guy at the end of the round. And he sort of come out and he was so pumped. When you come out of the ring after, you're like, <laughs> it was an experience. You know, it's levels to boxing, man. And, you know, you really can never get an experience like that unless you go through it. You can't, you don't know how it feels. Nothing can prepare you for something like that. It's, you just have to go through it. When I walked out, it was about four cameras in my face. I was on a Megatron, I'm looking up, you know, I, I'm not even knowing what's going on. We got in a fight, we got announced, the crowd was very favorable to me. I didn't I didn't even know I had that many, you know, supporters, you know. Um, and then after that fight, I actually gained like 10,000 fans. So I was like, man, this is amazing. But it was just a, it was a true experience. And then now I know how to handle crowds and I know how to handle events like that a lot better. So I needed that experience. Eddie, you've obviously, over the last year, acquired some of the best kind of US talent. It's a bit rocky at the moment. Uh, US talent from, and also in Mexico. But last week, you were, you were very critical about a couple of your fighters in the US. And I think, kind of... Um, I, said it, I said it to Ammo yesterday, like, being critical is not about calling someone out. It's just being honest and saying that you're being blessed with this opportunity. We've, say we've picked you, we've selected you because we believe you're a brilliant talent. And we believe you're going to go on and win world titles. If you don't perform, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh yeah, mate, that was great. And then go and talk behind your back and say, oh, that weren't very good, was it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm just going to tell you how it is. I'm going to say, look, I have to be honest, that weren't a great performance. And I felt that Ofer Jones last week, by a Slanov, just put in two average performances. When they perform really well, I'm going to rant and rave about them. I'm going to tell the world and they're going to get the better opportunities. I said to Ammo yesterday, Everyone's fighting for, can I get on the O2? Can I get on the KSI card? Can I get on the Saudi card? And basically, how it works in terms of the process to get on those cards is, if you do really well or you look great, you're going to get those opportunities. It's not rocket science, that's yeah. life. If you put in a performance that don't, a lot of the time, I'll, I'm, I'm that guy where I get so excited, he'll finish a fight, I'll go straight up to him and go, right, you're on. <laughs> and that's what we did in, uh, um, we did that in LA. In LA. He finished his first fight for wow. I went out and said, right, you're on Madison Square Garden. He was like, whoa! I went nuts. I went you know, nuts. And now, when he puts in another good performance, I think you've got to be rewarded when you put in a great performance with getting your date immediately. You know, because I'm so excited saying, wow, that impressed me. So, like, Ofer Jones and Barcelona, amazing fighters. They've got great futures. But, I'm not going to lie, when they put in a performance, because everyone else sees it, and you've got to be critical sometimes. And you know, boxing's the toughest sport in the world, and these guys are blessed with the amazing opportunity. They're fighting all over the world, 
He's flying to London. He's coming up here to watch the fight. You've got to put it in and you've got to perform. Because there are people out there that would give their left testicle to have the opportunity he's got. They come up to me at shows, please, please, oh, I see what you're doing with him, please sign me like that. So take the opportunity, you know. Uh, Ammo, if, hopefully this doesn't happen, but if you were to have a performance that is below par, would you rather someone like Eddie tell you exactly and be critical rather than what we say in England, sugarcoat it? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the biggest things that's responsible for my growth is that I was always in search for true criticism and I never took it as, you know, I never was offend, offended by it or, you know, let it go in one ear out the other. I always took what people gave me, you know, even if it's from just a regular person who doesn't really know much because it's even, you know, significance in a, in, in, the regular fans ideas and opinions and how they see me if they telling me how they see me then they telling me how the majority of the world sees me when I'm in a ring so I've been listening to people like that to a certain extent but I, w I need to have real true criticism because when you really want to be the greatest at something you know that's almost like a gift the yes men around you no you know? no and by the way the ultimate criticism and the ultimate evaluation comes from coach right but what you don't want around you in this game is yes men yes men you know, oh, well done, Emma. Oh, that's brilliant. Because he goes off, he, he toodles back to Dallas and goes, oh, Eddie told me it was great. You know? Oh, oh, oh. But there are a lot of people, like, within people's teams that are kind of... Yeah, but they're, 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 the, poor, they're the poor coaches. Yeah. You know, they're the ones that's like, yeah, 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 the cheerleaders. Yeah. You don't want to be a cheerleader. You don't want to be a cheerleader. This is a relationship. Tutor, mentor. Yeah. Sorry, got out all wrong. <laughs> mentor, tutor, <laughs> right? That's the relationship. You do exactly as you're told. By your coach yeah. not you wake up in the morning and you say all right coach uh, i'm a bit tired today so do you mind if we just do bag work instead of my sprints no, no fuck off <laughs> shut your mouth get on, the, get on the track yeah that's the respect you have to have yeah that's when you're a pupil you respect your mentor you respect your teacher and without that you'll never reach greatness because it's so easy isn't it how easy is it we know even in our world where it's like you've got to go to the gym today and you wake up in the morning and you just go We've been doing it all our lives, right? So these guys feel like that. They're only human, so that's the inspiration of a coach and the respect for a coach that you have. But you don't want to fuck with a coach. Well, that's how you should feel. Like, fuck, whatever he says, he scares the shit out of me. Now, Carl Froch once said, it's one of our uh, old great middleweight world champions. He's trained with Rob McCracken. He said, you know, every time I hit the heavy bag, even this is even at the end, he's actually told me this at the end of his career, I just want Rob, my coach, to go, good that was good he said and i'm hitting the bag and i'm waiting for it and when i hear it, it makes me feel so good you know that's what you need from your coach that level of trust you know to know that when things get tough in the fight when you go back to the corner you can folk you can get rid of the noise and look him in the eye and take the right advice and, and trust his, his judgment and, and you know he'll coach will tell you if you put in a bad performance a good performance not to give you the response that keeps his job do you know what I mean? Because yeah. the great coaches don't care about that. If we, if we fall out, if I don't train you anymore, well, that's fine. But I'm not going to tell you lies, you know. So that's the, there's too many coaches in boxing that just want to keep their job, so they won't criticise like they should. And young fighters won't learn. He's had three fights. He's got two years before he has a serious test. Mm. Uh, shout out to Coach, who's uh, quietly sitting yeah. in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you I'm agree with everything no, that no, Mr. Hearn just said? I totally agree. I'm giving to him 100. You gotta give it to him 100. If you want to be the best, and I want to be the best. Yeah. It's gonna be the best, trust me. We're there, we're on our way. Absolutely. So again, um, two years before you have a serious fight. A serious fight, but I'm talking about championship fight. Yeah, yeah. You know, he had a very limited amateur career, but burst on the scene, started knocking everyone out, and everyone was talking about him really quickly. So we swooped in, signed him. But it's a serious investment, and when you make an investment into anything, you know, whether it's a fighter, whether it's a racehorse, whether it's stocks and shares, you've got to give that investment every chance. So there's no point going in with ammo guiding him the wrong way, making a mistake, giving him the wrong opponents, rushing him. You know, we're going to spend, be spending a lot of money on the development of Ammo Williams, right? So we've got to get it right. Because if he don't become world champion, we've all wasted our time and money. That's the truth. Yeah. Not much pressure. Not much pressure. No pressure. No pressure. But before you decided, obviously, to join up with Matt Durham and Eddie Hearn, what? sure you had some other offers on the table why did you decide to kind of go with Eddie? I decided to go with Eddie because as I said before and in, in previous um, press conferences and things I looked at Matchroom and I could tell that it's an innovative company you know what I mean I could, I could see Matchroom design a whole collaboration is going to take over the sport and uh, I knew it was a great time for me to go in and, and be a face of Matchroom and, and disown it, you know, just capitalize on what they had going on. And they truly believed in me and liked me as not only a boxer, but an entity. And I feel like when you get that sort of, you know, connection, you'll get be able to maximize yourself because they're not just looking at you as just this fighter. So it's, it's thousands of fighters, you know, um, and it's, a thousand, it's thousands of talented fighters, um, but they just don't have a complete package. I think that Matchroom and Eddie and his own. I think they identified the, the package that I bring to the table and, you know, the potential that I have. And now it's all up to me, of course, to maximize that potential. And I will because I love boxing so much. Um, this was not something that was I was forced into or I was down. I, just, I decided to do it because it's all in my family and I'm just the next guy in line. No, I found boxing on my own. I love it. It's my true passion. Um, it does not get boring for me. Even when I do the fundamentals, going over jabs and stuff, just bringing my hands back to my chin and things like that, I have a great time doing it. And I think that's a big advantage that I have in this sport because I see a lot of guys who have been doing this since the age of seven, eight years old, and they go into the gym and they're just stale at the age of 18, 19, yeah. 20, because they already see, they feel like it's nothing else that they can see nothing else they can do and a lot of this also is, is credit to my coach Dwight because it was times you know I'm such an athlete it was times where I felt like hey I can get I can do a little bit more but I had to get you know real back in and stay on the basics and that's all him that's all coach so yeah Matchroom was definitely the ones who seen the whole package not just the fighting ability and I'm gonna maximize my career with these guys Shout out to Sam and Peter Berg as well. Yeah, his managers. So. so you met the real king of Matchroom the other day, Mr. Barry Barry's the real king. I was late, right? And it's the worst. I, whenever my dad starts talking to the fire, I'm like, oh. Because, like, we talk about sugarcoating. I know sugarcoating. Like, no. I mean, I, I guess I still sugarcoat things because I'm a salesman, I'm a grown Yeah, yeah. Him, 
fucking mate. Wrong. He's saying things, I'm going, oh. What? He's what saying, was he saying? saying about, what was he I've saying? got this red button under my table, and when we're ready to put you in a real fire, I press the red button. Yeah. And I'm like, this doesn't even work in boxing anymore. Do you know what I mean? He's like, but he's a Hall of Fame promoter, yeah. and when the fighter's talking to him, it's like when a fighter talks to Bob Aaron. They're yeah. like this. Yeah. You know, and I'm listening to my dad. I've heard every story a million times, right? And I'm going, oh no, he's telling this one now. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, the, 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 the one line that I'll, listen, I've, I've learned from him my whole life, but he comes up with bits and things, and we were talking about it before we took off, and it was, uh, my dad said, there's five things you need to do. You need to look after yourself, number one, first and foremost. Number two, you need to look after your family. Number three, you need to look after your community and your people. Number four, your country. And number five, change the world. In that order, right? And he said, but number one, remember, look after yourself. He said, when you get on a plane, we were laughing about this, he said, you see when that oxygen mask falls down in an emergency, what's the first thing they say to you? He says, make sure you put yours on first. Exactly. I'm listening to it again. Jeez. <laughs> but, you know, obviously he's my dad and I've heard it a million times, but for young fighters, you know, gaining knowledge like that and actually, you know, because he knows the sport inside out, you know, and he knows the brutality of it, the dangers of it, he knows the success that it can give you as well, but he knows what it takes, what you have to go through in order to, you know, to be that guy. Uh, impressions of Mr. Barry Hearn from you, Emma? Um, somebody that I want to be like when I grow up. <laughs> and he's comfortable, you know, he says what he wants to say, he does what he wants to do, and he lives life. We was talking about it, man, was having, even when Sam and, and uh, Eddie were going to their own side conversations, we was having real conversations. He was telling me the significance of just living how you want to live, you know, um, not leaving anything on the table when it's time, you, time to go make sure that, you know, you've done everything you wanted to do, you didn't, you know, short yourself. And uh, he also told me about putting in that extra 1%, you know, um, what makes you different, what gives you that uh, mental edge where you know that you can't be stopped in things. You have to give yourself that. And uh, he just said a lot of things that I, I've had on my mind, but to see somebody at his stage of life with his level of success um, reassure you on certain things, it just gives you more fuel to go the right path because as everybody knows, everybody has the answers. Everybody in the world can tell you the right thing. They think they can tell you the right thing. And it's not always about who's talking. I mean, it's not always about what's being said. It's always about who's talking. So to hear some really significant things from him, um, that was amazing. He's a great guy. And he seen me fight once, so yeah, he man. knows who I am. He said to me, that was when you went crazy at Madison Square Garden. It's like, who is this kid? He's, he's mad. You know what I mean? But he's like, he's, He's big on that 1%, that's his thing, you know, he believes that the majority of us are equal, but it's the ones who work on, that's, and that's a really simple work ethic, like, he believes, like, you say all the time, I'm not special, like, I'm not a genius, I'm not, but what I did is I worked harder than everybody else, I always got that extra 1% that edge, you know, when I was laying in bed and I didn't want to do that, or I didn't want to fly there, I did it, so that's what you got to do, and, you know, there's no excuse for not working on it when you got the opportunity. That's that's the reality. If you don't have the work ethic in anything in life, you have no chance. Yeah. But if you had if you have work ethic and quality, yeah. you're unstoppable. Okay, I think we're probably gonna land be landing yeah, soon. Are, yeah. So yeah, there. there you go, thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
How many talented fighters have not made it? Oh. I seen it in the gym. You know, just being in the gym Sorry, four years, um, straight, without any breaks. I've seen guys in and out. I've seen guys that I thought was going to pan yeah. out. i seen some guys that I thought was going to be world champion in and out. Just not consistent and didn't work hard and just... Look at, look at um, Robert C. Ramirez. You know? The Cuban kid. Won two Olympic golds. Simon Top rank. Which yeah. people thought this guy could be the... Very, very best. Lost his debut. Oh, yeah. You know? I, like, I mean, don't, don't work out like that. And that's one big thing that I learned, too. Amateur fight, which is which is why it's terrible what the Olympics is doing with this whole integration. Amateur fighting and professional fighting is two different things. Two it's different two, sports. Two different sports is, is, is different. So, I mean, you can put a lot. You can only put so much stock into a great amateur know because I mean there's so many different elements that go into a professional fight just like we was talking about walking out to Madison Square Garden on a swing boat where I didn't know I was fighting and then there's cameras in my face and, and I'm on a Megatron and the crowd's going crazy and things like that that is a that's an element that you'll never get you know you just don't see stuff like that you don't get in situations like that until you become a professional fighter and uh, I, I'm happy that I have the you know the the gall to be able to handle things like that, but I can see a lot of fighters cracking under that type of pressure. I can see that happening. So, um, amateur fight, professional fight, two different sports, man. Two completely different sports. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, yeah, Newcastle, here we come. Two, two. Like my army, two, two. That's their song, by the way. <laughs> That's their song. But you're not going to be biased because obviously you're right. involved with other fighters. Made the best man win. Made the best man win. Thank you very much, Ammo. Ammo Williams, follow me. IG Ammo Williams, Twitter Ammo Williams, YouTube coming soon, Ammo Williams. And my website is Ammo Williams. <laughs> Funnily enough, just Google Ammo Williams, you'll be fine. <laughs> Thank you. Coach. All right, we appreciate the energy. Thank you very All much. Right, and, Ross has gone back there. It's asleep, I think. <laughs> All right, <laughs> see you.